Welcome back. The following joke has nothing to do with this episode. Or maybe it does. Steve, you'll find out, is a pretty funny guy. But this joke came from one of my students' children, and she made me promise that I would tell it on the next podcast episode. So here goes nothing from Hannah. So a businessman walks into an office, and in the office he finds a handyman painting the walls. And the guy painting the walls was wearing two very heavy parkas on a very hot day. The businessman got confused, and he walked over to the handyman and he asked, Why are you wearing such heavy parkas on such a hot day? The handyman showed him the instructions on the can of paint. For best results, put on two coats. In this episode, I talk with Heidi, a wonderful professor of hospitality at the Lake Worth campus. Here's our conversation. So tell me about yourself. Tell me anything you wish to share. I know that you have a business background, if I remember correctly. Um, Management, hospitality. Hospitality. Am I getting warmer? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that was. I know nothing about that. Okay. Um, but I remember you having a conversation with me. I remember us having a conversation at one of the development day things and you mentioned, oh, I wish, you know, we were doing something like this in, and I thought it was either business or, or management or hospitality or one of the three businessy things. Hospitality. Yes. That is my. So you, you're welcome to say whatever you want about yourself or, or go as far back or go as far forward as you like. But one of the questions that I, I do hope you address is, um, so at the end of my courses or towards the end of my courses, I, I give students a document called the view from the mountaintop where it has, you know, four base camps, which are the four big ideas that I wish that they take away or things that they remember five years later. And then the view from the mountaintop is, okay, so these are the four things we learned in this course that I hope you remember at the very least next semester. And then from the very top, this is where we are. Now you have perspective of having finished the course. You can kind of look back down into the forest and say, oh, so this is, these were the big ticket items that we needed to take away. I have never taken a hospitality course, so I don't know what one teaches or learns in a hospitality course. So at some point of time, I would love to know what would be the view from the mountaintop if I were to take one of your classes. And I know I could okay. just read the syllabus, but that's going to have a lot oh, of no. jargon. And yeah. I know that the syllabus is not necessarily the best way of getting the crux of the matter across. So Mike's yours. Okay. Um, maybe do I begin with how I ended up in it? I don't know. Um, Absolutely. Your choice. Okay. So I think my parents were a huge influence, as most parents are. Um, my mother always entertained. She had a small catering business. And um, because of my father's job, they were always entertaining. I mean, my father would just pick up the phone and be like, okay, honey, um, I'm bringing the board home. Um, we're swinging by after. And so to put out an amazing meal 
with such short notice was um, just something that happened on a regular basis. And sure, it's funny. My just made me think of something. One of my dear friends, they would pop over. They live in the neighborhood, and it would be like a Friday after work. They'd pop over, and we'd have a cocktail or two, and then. We'd be like, oh, should we order pizza or something? I'm like, no, 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 don't worry. Let me, um, how about crab cakes? And they'd be like, and I'm like, I just remember my mom would always be like, make sure you have like, a, a, you know, a thing of crab. They're just different things that you always have in your house that you could sure. whip up and make. Um, but I really did not, I did not know when I was in high school what I should do or, you know, I was having a grand time. Um, and my high school was a very unique situation. Um, I guess I should start and say that I was born and reared here in Boca Raton. That's where mm-hmm. I am now. And it was an incredible place to grow up, a sleepy little beach town, nothing like it is now. Um, we would jump off the bridge, <laughs> swing on rope swings. I mean, I personally did not jump off the bridge, but everyone else jumped off the bridge at <laughs> the inlet. Um, and just, it just, you, you could run around and be free, which I'm sure most places where people grew up, it was, um, a very different time. Sure. And so our high school was brand new the year we went. So there were only freshmen and sophomores. And so we were juniors and seniors every year. And our two classes have a really, um, strong bond and relationship. And majority of couples got together and were, and were married and we're all still best friends. I mean, it's kind of crazy. So we all do everything together. So, and, um, it was, it, it was Pope John Paul II. Now it's St. John Paul Academy. So it was Catholic. So mm-hmm. I went to Catholic school my entire life. And, uh, I remember being very nervous to go in and, um, meet the advisor. Father Guy Fiano, who I love dearly, um, and just petrified, like, what am I going to say? He's going to ask me, where am I going to college? What am I going to do? I have nothing. I, I go in the first time, Heidi, have you thought about anything? Don't know what to, oh, Father Guy, I'm still thinking about that, still looking at some things. And now it's my second time to go, and I'm sitting in the office looking around, and there's, because back then they put posters, so there's this poster of this wedding cake, and I go, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm going to be a pastry chef because I thought my mom can cook so well. I can never compete with that. Like everything that she Mm -hmm. does is amazing. I'm like, maybe I'll, I'll delve into this realm. And I saw that picture. And so I was, I quickly looked in the college catalogs. What, you know, what schools can I go to? I'm like, okay, Culinary Institute of America or Johnson and Wales. There was only two choices. I'm like, okay. And I go in and I'm like, Father Guy, I'm going to be a pastry chef. He's like, okay, let's do some research, <laughs> you know? And when I went home from school that afternoon and I got the mail, there was um, a, a letter, a card, a flyer, brochure type thing from, I think it might've been from, was it from, I think it was from Johnson Wild or CIA, one of, one of the other. And I thought, mm-hmm this is it. This is meant to be, I mean, we were brand new high school. So they were sent, you got stuff every day in the mail, you know, but I thought, okay, now I've committed to this. I've got to stick it out. So I applied to, um, a CIA 
And um, there's a very long wait list. It was a two-year wait list. I was like, okay. Um, or maybe, no, I think maybe it was like a year. And it was a year. And I said, I, I can't go there without college math and English. So I need to go somewhere and, and start off. So um, my girlfriend who I went to school, she lived two doors down. She came home from spring break and she was at Loyola University in New Orleans. And she's like, Heidi, um, I brought you an application. I'm like, does it have an essay? Because if it had an essay, I was not applying <laughs> anywhere that had an essay. So lying in the sun, suntan oil, like on my leg, I'm filling out the application. She's like, I'm just going to take it back to me. I think you would love it. And they heavily recruited our, our high school. And mm-hmm. um, I got in. And so I said, okay, I'll go here for one year knowing that I'm going to cooking school. Um, I also was very young. I turned 17 the week before I graduated high school. So I was very homesick. That was not, it was not very, (laughs) but I hung it. I pretty much flew home every other weekend. And then, um, but it was good that I had a lot of friends there. And then the second semester was much better, much better. Plus it was Mardi Gras and all that other stuff went on. Um, So it was great to have that experience of going away. And then I came home. And oh yeah, I did, it was two years because I worked at the Boca Hotel and Club, Boca Resort, in the pastry shop um, to get experience. And they were amazing and wonderful. The the two chefs that I had um, during my time there. And then um, I went off to the CIA. I went to visit, and because at the hotel, many. CIA, um, at the Culinary Institute, you have externships. Instead of an internship, you're there for about nine months. You must go on a six-month externship, and then you return. So the Boca Hotel and Club, or Boca Resort, whatever they call it now, um, was one of the few places that offered housing. So CIA students were everywhere. So I'd meet all these people, and they're telling me all these things, and I'm like, wait a minute, you mean I only get to go into the bake shop for three weeks and the pastry shop for three weeks. And that's after I come back from externship, I'm like, all this time I've been waiting, maybe it's the wrong thing. They're like, no, fly up and see, there's a new program. And they had just um, started a baking pastry majors program. I feel like this is going really long that I should. <laughs> I no, 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 no. I, 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 if you don't mind an interjection. So I also know nothing about the Culinary Institute of America. Okay. Uh, when you attend there, do you get to learn, for instance, by contrast, uh, in India, Asia, parts of Europe, mostly all of Europe, if you want to become an engineer, you take an engineering entrance exam after high school and if you know you score high enough or you get admitted to an engineering school then you start studying engineering things you don't have to study history and geography and you know not to discuss the merits or Mm -hmm. demerits of that sort of system but in the united states you have gen ed courses and then you know you typically progress or you might take some courses related to your major but eventually you know your third and fourth year or maybe for graduate school it would be very hyper focused so with the Culinary Institute, was it something similar? Or if you know that, you know, you want to study, I'm making these things up, pastry <laughs> design or, you know, pastry creativity, or I, I don't know what that even means. But let's say that you're interested only in baking. Mm-hmm. Would you still have to learn how to cook the perfect steak? 
in their and I, I I apologize sincerely for turning it into very very reductionist terms. Oh no, it's I'm I'm happy to share. Um, and also I'm it's possible it, I'm sure it's very different from I went back in '86. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no gen ed. There are no gen ed. Requ- That's why I was very adamant that I cannot go off somewhere without having what in my m- small mind at that point was you need college math and English before, you know, you, this is sure. what you, this is what you do. Um, if you, the regular school, the, the culinary Institute of America, um, you start off and there is no English writing, all of those types of things. There is math per se in terms of cost control and all of those types of aspects were built into everything. But um, they would start off in pantry and learning these basic things. And you uh, you work in the storeroom, you work in um, receiving, you you handle requisitions, everything. But then you'd start off with, I think it was called like American Bounty Kitchen was the first kitchen. And you learned American cuisine and you would go to fish kitchen and sauce kitchen and butchering and charcuterie and ice carving, garmage. You would work your way around everything. That's, I think, (laughs) what I was trying to ask. And I didn't have the right words for it. But what I was inquisitive about was that if you had to go through all the different kitchens or if you could just say, I want to work in the fish kitchen and that's it. No. So you did have to learn. Not for me. That that was the beauty. I when I went to visit the school, they had just started had one class of this year-long strictly baking and pastries. And not year-long. It was um third well, yeah. It was. No. Half year. I don't know. But it was broken down into three sections and we did um yep, baking baking and pastries. And that was perfect for me but now after I see the school I have to fly home and tell my parents that um I'm so sorry um I've been on this wait list to get into the school do all of these things um and now I'm going to try for something else and it, but it it starts in September I think September of 86 as I am sitting in the like the, the room with my parents, I'll never forget. The phone rings and it's the school telling me there's an opening someone did not accept and um, I would need to be there next week. And I'm like, thank you so much. What an incredible opportunity. <laughs> um, I am going to rescind and I'm going to do the baking pastry majors. And I thought, how incredible. And that's probably a, you know a God wink that I had gone to see and I was walking around going, this is not what I want to do. I do not want to be in, mm-hmm. in stinky fish kitchen, you know, and all of this stuff. No, no offense to any fishmongers out there. Um, but that was nothing what I wanted to do. So that worked out great. And then off I went. And then it was try to find housing, try to find housing where, you know, how can you get in? That was also very difficult. Um, as soon as you got to the school and you met someone, First thing you asked is, when are you leaving? Because every three weeks, a new group comes in, a group leaves on externship, a group returns from externship, and a group graduates. And that was happening a.m. and p.m. It was like a factory. And I've often, over the years at Palm Beach State, kept saying, I wish there was a way we, you know, can we take our wheel and do an a.m. and a p.m.? 
create this kind of, you know, we work on the wheel. Um, we're slowly getting there. <laughs> we are offering mm -hmm. evening classes, but um, I digress. Um, so I came home and um, started making wedding cakes. I made wedding cakes, had a little business, and then my parents were so excited, you know, you're coming home and we've, um, we've put, um, you know, our, some money down and a name on or whatever reserved, um, a bay in this new development that's being developed. And it was called Crocker center. Now it's called Boca center. And, you know, you can open up your shop and I'm like, Oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, <laughs> I'm not even 19 yet. Um, wow. Or no, I was 19 turning, and maybe I turned, I guess I was 19, 19. And I'm like, I, I don't know about payroll. I don't know about, you know, and I'm freaking out. Just, I, I'm like, this is a little overwhelming. Thank you so much. You're so gracious. Um, I think I need to go back to school. <laughs> and so I, I'm like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And I'm like, okay, it's perfect. Right next door is College Boca Raton. They have a hospitality program. I'll go there. Let's see what credits transfer, what happens. And so I just, boom, boom, boom. I went, they used to have, well, they still have a, they call it J term, but they had winter them. So I did fall, winter, spring, so that I would still be kind of on time in my own mind. Um, and I graduated and I had an incredible mentor and he actually lives in my neighborhood and I see him quite often, Dr. Jim Miller. And I'd be, I'd had him for a few classes and he would say, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, you're not going to stop going to school. You're going to become an attorney. You're going to become a CPA. You are going to, you know, I don't know what it is, but you are not stopping. We are, you need, you argue with me. You do this. You'd be a great attorney. You, you know, you're good with the numbers. You're crunching all this stuff all the time. You understand these concepts and I'm like, okay. And when it came time to graduate, he was like, look, we're starting this master's program. I think you need to, to do the master's program. I'm like, what am I going to do it in? He goes, I think you should teach. And I think that you should focus on like international business. So you can teach in hospitality and you can teach in business, take all of your electives in hospitality. And, you know, and they just kind of, um, he really helped. I mean, it wasn't like right off the bat with that. It was going through the master's program. So even, um, for my thesis, you know, he said, really working through what will help you the most. Cause I said, if I want to teach college, there's no classes on how to teach college. I mean, and, and now that's what I'd like to do. And he's like, well, then that's what you're going to do it on. And, you know, research different teaching pedagogies and you know how all those things snowball. And eventually that was done. And now I'm graduating and he's like, okay, are you ready? Um, I, you know, you're going to be an adjunct. We're hiring you. I'm like, what, what? And so I taught an intro to business class. And then, um, <laughs> he said, um, I, I want you to teach microeconomics. I said, how I've never taken microeconomics. He's like, that's okay. You're going to come to my class. You're going to be in my classes. And I'm going to teach you. And to this day, I still use this one little, this little graphic thing that that he drew in um, all of my classes, it comes up, you're talking about supply and demand and everything, especially with food. And I'll stop and I'll say, so here's your mini microeconomics lesson that you get. 
free courtesy. You don't have to charge. You're not charged for this and just throw those little snippets in. But, um, you're like, Oh, and so I, Lynn hired me. Well, by then it became Lynn university. So they hired me as an adjunct. And, um, at the same time, I went to talk to Palm Beach state college and I met with um, a gentleman who was head of the business, uh, program there. His name was Anthony Tiona. And, um, I said, I just really wanted to sit down and speak with someone like, do I need to go on for my doctorate now right away? Do I need to get, do I stop what I do? And he looked at my resume and he's like, um, so can you start teaching, um, in one month we have a class fall. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wait, what? I, I came for advice on, he's like, no, 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 you're good. You're, you know, you're, I said, one teaching a class at Lynn university starting in the fall. And he's like, perfect. Then you can be an adjunct here as well. And um, I called back Dr. Miller and freaking out. He's like, you'll be fine. It's okay. I put so much work into this class and I get up to Palm beach state. They show me my little cubby and um, two hours, no, it was an hour before class started. Um, they got a hold of me and they're like, I'm so sorry, but your class is canceled for low enrollment. None of this. Yikes. We're canceling a week in advance. No, this was like, hours. I'm like, okay, don't worry. We'll we're gonna put you up for next semester. And so then I finally got a class. And so that was, I think, 94. That was my first. Yeah. So then I was an adjunct there. Um, and then I was a full-time temporary for um, a lovely gentleman who ran the program for 30 years, Julio Reve. And, and still to this day, most people don't even realize that we have the hospitality and tourism program there and put on luncheons and whatnot. But um, let's see. And so I was full-time temporary for Julio a few times when he um, unfortunately had a heart attack. And then um, he kept saying, take every class they give you. The students love you. Your, you know, your evaluations come back great. And he goes, I'm going to retire. Like, okay. And then I had worked with, um, Danny Fontenot, Chef Dan, and he kept saying, oh yeah, this is great. And he's like, look, if you get hired, um, only thing I'm going to ask, I'm like, what? he goes, I want to be department chair. I'm like, oh, perfect. I want no part of that. I'm like, no, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing, right? This is like, I'm just as an adjunct here. And um, the position became available. Um, I applied. And by the time, as you know, with all of these, um, how do I say interviews by the time mm -hmm. you apply it's months and months and months. And now I am, um, and I'm still an adjunct at night, but I'm pregnant with, uh, my second child and I am like out to here. Congratulations and happy mother's day. <laughs> oh, I was going to you. ask somewhere mm -hmm. along the way if you had children and, and wish you, but thank happy you. Mother's day. Thank you so much. Yes, I do. I have, um, two children and, um, my son came up last night, so that was nice. He lives now down in Dania Beach. So he mm -hmm. is 24. He'll be 25 in August. And then um, my daughter uh, is 23. And yesterday, she would have graduated with her master's from Lynn University. So I'm like, gosh, you know, that was kind of bittersweet. So I'm like, put that cap and gown on. Let's go take pictures out front <laughs> because they didn't even do anything virtual there. We still haven't heard what they're going to do, but mm -hmm. like, it's okay. Well, 
we'll celebrate. Um, so let's see what happened. Where was I? Um, oh, so Chef Dan. Um, anyway, then I, oh, that's right. I did not get hired. <laughs> I continued to adjunct and I had a, um, a baking class at night and um, they did not hire me. And every summer, um, I'm very blessed. I, we go to North Carolina, to the mountains of North Carolina every summer. My parents mm -hmm. had um, purchased a, a second home to kind of get my dad away from the stress that he had. Um, so he would fly back and forth. But so I think, I think since I was 15, yes, 15, they, they bought that house. So um, same thing, my children, we leave in the summer, usually the day they get out of school, everything's packed. We get up at four in the morning and we would drive and not come back until um, school began. Um, so I was in North Carolina and Palm Beach State calls and said, hi, um, so the gentleman that we had hired has decided not to take the position and we'd like to offer you the position. I'm like, do I have to go through that interview thing again? I'm like, no, <laughs> you just need to take um, a drug test. I'm like, okay, um, but I'm in North Carolina. No problem, we'll find somewhere there. You can take the test, mm -hmm. take it. I'm like, okay, so you'll be starting on this date. Wow, okay. And um, so in 98, I started, uh, yes, 98 started full time and been there ever since in the hospitality. And it's been Chef Dan and I, and it was very bittersweet because Thursday was his last day and we were supposed to celebrate. We had a surprise party and we were, had all these plans of graduation with all the students. So mm -hmm. it's just, you know. He always called me his work wife and he was my work husband. And I mean, for over 20 years, we have worked together literally every day and kind of feed off one another. So it's really, I'm so happy for him that he's retired in it because he, he doesn't have to deal with all of this um, remote. <laughs> he got just, a, he got just <laughs> a little snippet of it. Um, I didn't end. even think of that. So how have, how, how have classes transitioned, not to interject, but how have classes transitioned for you? So for me, luckily, and our program, um, all of our classes are every eight weeks. So we had met twice. <laughs> um, and then we took the week off. But during this last semester, I don't have any of the, um, what you would call like cooking lab classes. Mm -hmm. Dan teaches those and we had just finished and I teach front of the house dining room management. So that had ended. So that was perfect. Um, but you know, the students still had their presentations, their, um, the marketing class. Normally they have, um, they work in groups. We ended up switching it to individual because I had some students that were still working um, and some that had gotten positions like Trader Joe's was hiring Publix, you know, they were now, now essential workers. So they had crazy schedules. I'm like, you guys come in when you can, we'll figure it out. Um, so we moved it to individual product projects. And luckily, um, Robin Russo from the uh, Panthers Pantry on the Lake Worth campus, um, so on a side note, I used to be the service learning coordinator for all four campuses. And um, so that's very near and dear to my heart. 
um, is you have to, no matter what, give back. And all my students know um, goodwill in, in the community, everything that you do, um, you have to give back. I mean, that's just been part of my life growing up. You, you volunteer, um, um, everything's always been nonprofits. Um, I guess I'm kind of getting sidetracked. I guess I should go back to that. But, um, so anyway, the students, no, 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 no. <laughs> interesting. I did not know this about you either. Um, oh yeah. The, um, I don't know if I should say that as, I don't know. I, I'm kind of nervous with what questions you're going to ask me at the end. So I'm like, oh. They are very there's... tame questions. Um, so what most people, well, maybe some people know. Um, so my... <laughs> it's okay. If you don't no, feel no, comfortable, I, feel totally I don't want you to put yourself out. I, I don't know how to make this come across that I don't want. Um, okay. So, you know, I said, I went to Catholic school, um, mm -hmm. preschool, everything. I went actually to a Catholic college, uh, Loyola university in New Orleans. And then actually the culinary Institute of America had been, um, a, a monastery that was built, which was kind of interesting and their library still the way the, they had had it or seminary. I'm not exactly sure. And they have, um, like glass floors so you could see all the way through very cool mm -hmm. um we so so my dad was a catholic priest <laughs> and my mother waited 12 years for him to decide to leave she was engaged to someone else and everything and they're um originally mm -hmm. from buffalo new york it's kind of like a I don't want to say thorn birds, but not to that kind of extreme, but interesting. They had to, um, when he left, um, and he had to wait, he was one of the first to get dispensation from the Pope. Um, so that he could in essence, you know, go back to Matt. He went to Matt. They both went to daily mass every day. And, um, so that he would be able to receive communion. And my mom said, once they got, um, got the letters they went back to meet with the bishop and be married quote married in the church and i guess i may have been i can't remember how old tech how old i was maybe a two years old i a year i'm not even or maybe was i even born okay no maybe i wasn't born yet um and they said they had to sign that they would never profit off their story, never write a book, never um, make a movie or anything like that. And um, I thought that was kind of, wow. And then my mother asked, so now what day do we use as our wedding, as our, mm -hmm. as our date? And he's like, well, when did you get married? She's like, well, we had to go to Fredericksburg, Virginia and get married by a justice of peace. And, you know, it was August 23rd and or August 24th. And so he's like, then that's your date. That's, that's your date. So, um, so anyway, long story. My, and my mom always thought, um, she still always say, Oh, I wanted to have 12 children. I'm like, Oh, thank God we didn't. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, she goes, but I waited 12 years and worth it. And then she thought, Oh my gosh, I'll never, get pregnant. I'll never have children. And, 
anyway, then she had me and then she had my brother. And so there's two of us. And so, um, growing up, like we always knew that he was a priest and, um, my father was the president of Boca community hospital. And so that's a, well, now it's changed names, Boca regional, and now it's been bought out, which my dad was probably flipping out. Um, but he started off as personnel director, which they referred to them then, and then became um, vice president. And then in a tragic accident, the first president, Frank Dawson, was killed with his wife. They were my parents, dear friends, um, in a plane crash. And that was April of 77. And then that's when my father became president. But he used to say, um, this hospital is really my parish. And he knew every single person's name. Didn't matter um, uh, if you were cleaning the floors, a nurse, a doctor. You passed by, he knew you, he knew about you, he knew your family. So that to me is so important with my students. So that first day, because I, I'm, in, I'm blessed, I'm in such a, a fortunate program, the way we've developed it, that we create a cohort um, and I'll tell them, it's gonna be like you're in high school or middle school. You have the same group of students because almost everyone will sign up and take the whole program start to finish. Um, mm -hmm. We have a few that can only go Monday, Wednesday or can only go Tuesday, Thursday, but we know them all. And I spend a lot of time um, getting to know them, uh, making them feel comfortable. And I'll, I'll joke around, I'll say, because everyone's going to have a lethal weapon. I need everyone to get along. And I'll, you know, I'll pull out the chef's knife. But um, it helps me. You know, I do this thing where you need to form a dyad. And then they'll say, what's that word? And then I'm like, I'm like, we can do thing called word check because there's going to be terms in this industry that you're not familiar with. So don't be afraid because everyone else has the same question as you. So I want you to feel comfortable. And I tell them, you all have a mother. You've now met your second mother. Um, because if you don't show up for class, I'm going to call, I'm not going to call you, but somebody in the class has your number and I'm going to say, text, who's got so-and-so's number, text them. Because if you miss our classes are three hours long and it's only every eight weeks. And if you miss a week, you are so far behind. And, sure. um, they literally on the end of the remote class, like on the last, and I knew I had, had eight o'clock class, they were ending. And then I had another one at 11 and they're almost all the same students. And and I, I'm like, can I see your faces? Can you guys go on? And I literally, I just, I cry and I'm crying all the time. I'm like, I miss you guys. And I, and they're like, Miss, I don't cry because we're going to see you. And well, crying. Um, they know my husband always says your tear ducts are connected to your bladder. But um, I, I think it's so important to really know them. And they know that in my office, I have a box of tissues and I always have candy and chocolate and every exam. I pass out chocolate, whether it's 8 a.m. I'm like, dark chocolate will help your brain work, you know, and candy and just, um, it's not that I'm, I want to be their friend. Of course, I want to be their friend. And I want them to know that um, I'm there for them, you know, because a lot of, you know, you know, our, our students, a lot of them don't have someone. And um, I've been truly blessed that they feel comfortable enough to come to me and um, over the years, I mean, it just, I just, 
I love them. I mean, and that's why we're there is that we have these, these incredible, incredible human beings that we can help um, guide. And I feel blessed because they're learning a skill in, in our program. And um, I don't know, sorry, I went way off on my, no, on no, no, my no, no. The, These are things I did not know. And it's quite interesting. If we, we don't mind circling back, I just want to make sure I understood what you mentioned oh, earlier. Okay. So your dad was a priest. Okay. And so then he left. And so at some point of time, he met your mom, presumably literally like right after he started. Um, <laughs> at a very, as things happen, a very tiny parish that my, my mother and she was an only child, um, where they, they belonged outside of Buffalo in a little town called Williamsville. And, um, I guess there was a nun who went over and played the piano and organ and mm -hmm. she became ill and um, was in the hospital and my mother played piano and organ and taught and I think she worked at this record store, I think it was called Cabbage Records or something. And my, my grandmother washed the vestments, like, you know, people always were involved in your church um, or your parish. And my, I guess my grandmother said, you, you know, march yourself over there and tell father whoever and meet the new priest and tell them that you will fill in until sister comes back. And so she said, she sat there and just looked into his eyes and played. And she's like, you can't, this is not like, that's not right. You know? And, <laughs> um, and, and she, you know, was dating someone else. And um, eventually over the years he proposed and my grandparents always had, I guess the priests over for dinner, you know, and different mm -hmm. people and, and the parish did. And um, my, my father bought, I guess they called it the cabin by the lake, Java Lake. I don't know where this place was, but my mother painted and painting and he would invite people out to the lake. So there's, I found all these home movies and slides and um, of my, my parents, my grandparents or my, yeah, my mother there, they would go there and stay there. And I think my grandparents probably, or my, I guess my grandfather always really knew that, that, she she loved him and I think that my dad loved her and it was just a matter of how how do you do that that's that's so huge I mean you've committed your life to this and um I can't even imagine doing that and then that that's also why you know they had to get the heck out of Dodge and come to Florida mm -hmm. uh, I could not have handled the winters um <laughs> and it, um, I don't know, everything worked. Every, I mean, everything's as it's meant to be. Um, my, my father, <laughs> because when you're a priest, you can't really own anything. So they gave you a car and, um, but that's, he has these crazy stories about that. But so every year he got a new car and, um, his, he was, well, why would you want to own anything if you get a new car? Every well, year? He, he, that's the only thing he could ever own. And, he was, I guess, into cars. He was the youngest in his family and his brother ended up working for General Motors. And um, his other brother, Matthew, um, had a furniture store or something. And uh, he said, I think he was closer to him. And he, he's like, do you think Ma's gonna know? And he's like, just get a black car. And so she won't know. <laughs> 
And so whatever, he, when convertibles came out, he got a convertible. When, you know, air conditioning came, you know, he would get, and she would always say, Snook, is this a new car? No, ma, it's black, it's black. But he picked her up every Sunday and he um, gave her money because um, actually his father had um, died in an accident at work. Um, I guess he worked at a steel mill in Buffalo and my father I believe was 12 and he was already in Canada at like like a seminary school um Mm -hmm. I think they went through the line of all the children and each brother was like oh no that's not for me and he was the last one they're like someone in his family is going to be a priest and um so they weren't even going to let him come home for the funeral but his older brother drove up there and, and picked him up and said um you know we're coming home so he always um, gave his mother money, like every, every Sunday. He, and she'd say, no, Snook, I can't take it. He's like, no, Ma, you need it. You need it. You know, you're, you're here by yourself in this house. So when he went to her and said, I'm, I'm leaving the priesthood. I'm, I love Marianne. I'm getting married. And he, she, you know, she's crying. And she just went to, like you said, this little cabinet in this drawer and pulled out the bank book and said, Snook, I knew I knew one day. And so gave, he said, here, start your life. And she kept every penny and put it in that account for him. Sorry. <laughs> like, wow. I think it's so, you know, like, I think moms know on this Mother's Day. I know? just had this conversation with someone yesterday morning. And I, I was, and I don't want to give away the podcast, okay. <laughs> but I was complaining about how, obnoxious it is that my mom is always right (laughs) even when i think that she's wrong and i am dead certain i would bet everything i own and even stuff that i don't in that moment that you are wrong and i am right about this and even about the most meaningless of things somehow she's right you know even if she writes down two plus two is five some way the universe will make it happen it it will be the case that a mother cannot be wrong and it is it drives me nuts and it's, it's, my grandmother had this and <laughs> I was walking. I remember maybe I was like four or five years old. I was walking in her home to the kitchen. So there was this long hallway. It was my dad's room or the kid's room. Then you walk down the hallway. Then there's a bathroom on the left-hand side. You keep walking. It's my grandparents' room. And right across the hallway from my grandparents' room was their kitchen. And I was walking to the kitchen. And in India, typically, you know, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., the adults will have tea. Mm -hmm. The children will be given a glass of warm milk or cold milk, depending on the season. And you'll have one biscuit with it, one little hard cookie. This was maybe 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, it, it, you know, summertime you have lunch that's a little bit later. So maybe, you know, lunch will get pushed to 3 o'clock and then you have an early tea, blah, blah, blah everyone's the, the schedule gets pushed in, in summers. So I'm walking to the kitchen. She's in her bedroom. All she hears are my, my footsteps on the cement floor. And she says, no biscuits until three. <laughs> oh. She, she used to be able to just read my mind and it was, it was terrifying. Yes. You know, I, I would be getting off the bed and she said, Nope, no soda right now. <laughs> I'm still in the bed, with just like hanging out with her, watching TV or something. And I was maybe 10 years old. And 
no soda. Uh, what? So I, I can understand and I can maybe not, you know, I, I don't, I haven't gone through the same exact experience, but I can certainly appreciate the mother somehow just knowing that the son's going to be back and he's going to need the money and, oh. or it's going to be a gift, uh, for, for starting his new life. Yeah. And, and I, uh, very cool. I, I, I think that's the first time I've ever spoken with someone who either knows or, or themselves uh, was a priest and then got married. Well, I, I, I read about it, but I don't think I've ever met someone or spoken with someone that, that and, has done that. And that really, looking back, um, it, it could have gone either way. I mean, they could have been so um, disheartened with the church mm -hmm. and never gone to mass again. Um, but they were both so faithful and I think that's what got them through many, many things and instilling that faith in, in my brother and I, um, when I was saying, um, as a child, um, I guess when we went to St. Joan of Arc, which is the, um, our parish and our, that had, um, an elementary school attached to it. I guess, and there were many nuns then, right from the boat from Ireland. So I'm so used to, you know, um, <laughs> oh, sister. Uh, so I went to an Irish Catholic <laughs> school up until 10th grade in India. Uh -huh. And I, I, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> so I guess they said to my mom, they're like, we, they couldn't believe that they actually told my brother and I that my dad was a priest and that we knew this. Um, but my, my closest friends growing up, we went to Montessori school and then we all went to St. Joan of Arc together. Their fathers were physicians at the hospital. So in my mind, I thought everyone's dad was a priest first and then you went to work at the hospital. <laughs> so I didn't think anything and I would meet these other kids and then they would say what their dad did. I'm like, Oh, so they weren't a priest first. You know, like, because you don't work at the hospital. But why, I, again, excuse my ignorance <laughs> uh -huh. here, but why was it that they were surprised that your mom had told you or your parents had told you? Why was that a, was that a taboo? I or? think so, because this was early 70s and you just, okay. you didn't talk about it. You don't, those are things people don't, you know, oh my gosh, you're, oh, you know, the scandal, da, da, da. I'm like, I think it's cool. I would say, dad, you get you're one of the only people that get all the sacraments. You get all of them, you know, I'm like holy orders and you get married and you know, so, um, but what's been so hard for me lately, not lately, but in the past few years, I mean, as I'm aging and I, I'm more curious, I want to know more things about my faith and delving into reasons why, because growing up with it, things become rote and you just want to know, more why these things are and i never i never asked him so many things and i never and my um my mother passed away um from ovarian cancer in 04 and so that was you know obviously hard um and really hard for my father and um i remember the one year anniversary i'm at the house and I mean, he had just been so depressed. And I said, look, if you want to die, then, then I, 
whatever you want is what I want. If you want to go be with mom and you feel you're this depressed and, and you don't want to live, then that's fine. But you need to understand that you have four grandchildren. You know, my brother has two girls and I said, these and two, I'm like, we love you so much. So you either need to get in the game of life now or decide. And he looked at me with this shock of face. Like, I think it was the first time I've ever kind of challenged him or said anything to him like that. And he was like, well, 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 okay. And then it was almost like, um, I don't want to say role reversal, but just, well, that um, was maybe the catalyst that he needed Yes, at that moment. Yes. And, and, and he lived another eight years after um, he um, had, it turned out he had rheumatic fever when they discovered mm-hmm. as an infant and that car caused his um, valve, heart valve to not work. So he had his first sure. open heart surgery in 1976. He went up to Emory University. Willis Hurst, I think, was the physician who had created this new surgery and using a pig valve. And so this is kind of the way my dad is. Like we'd be eating dinner, people would be over or something, and my mom would have pork chops and he'd go, oh, and we're like, what's wrong? <laughs> He's like, it's a relative, you know, and just, just things like that. At least he had a good sense oh, of humor about it. total sense of humor. People would meet him and they would never believe in a million years that this man was a priest. Um, and he had these crazy, we call them Steve-isms. And so we all say, like, if you, if you, walk in, if you walked into my home right now, the first thing I'd greet you at the door, I'd be like, okay, um, what can I get you to drink? What can I get you? And you'd say, oh, I'm not thirsty. And I'd have to say, I didn't ask you if you were thirsty. I asked you what I could get you to drink. You know, or I didn't ask you if you were hungry. And so even just all of my friends growing up and, and those kids and he would always, and all of them, like later today, um, some are coming over, we're going to have a little Mother's Day thing. And um, they'll say, ice, the cheapest thing at a party and you never get enough of it. Like, cause we're always like, fill that up, fill that up. Come on, get the, you know, and just these goofy, stupid things. But all of, you know, my friends and their children like I hear my daughter and their friends and they'll they'll say these crazy these what we call Steve-isms so I'm like he's laughing he loves that that you know we're still talking about it talking about him so it's his legacy I think it it lives on those are things that you know people tend to remember for generations on end and and his whole sense of you have to give back like you have to um do what's right, volunteer, um, help anyone and everyone, um, put everyone first. My brother, I think, is absolutely an amazing, incredible human who he actually works um, across the street from our Lake Worth campus. Um, he's the CEO of HomeSafe, which used to be Children's Place at HomeSafe. And mm-hmm. I mean, that has been during this Corona thing, trying to manage and keep all of these children safe and, and the, and the, and their, their, their caregivers, their counselors and on, you know, four different campuses um, and always trying to find the funding to, to help support and to keep that, that going, you know, cause the, the state and federal government, they only get so much. And so it's all about donors and, um, 
cultivating that, which he and my father were, you know, so great at. Um, he's, he's amazing. I just am blown away when I, you know, see him on the news or on different things. I'm like, Oh, I could never do that. Matt, you know, so he's, and so he's in a nonprofit, you know, and I work at a community college and, um, I just try to instill in the students and obviously too, um, our children. I mean, they know this is what, you know, this is what we do. This is how we roll. And, um, like I take them to feeding South Florida. They have to do, we all work as a group and that's, I'm so, I was so upset. We, we were supposed to go April 8th. <laughs> um, we had a, a session where, you know, both classes were going to go and, and it's, it's so nice to see them work outside of like the class and that this is something not for school and how are we going to come together and figure out the most efficient way to unpack all these boxes, check dates, repackage them, keep cleaning at the same time. And they fall into their roles that are, are very similar to what happens in, in the, in the classroom. But, and afterwards like they're sweating and I'm like, how was this? And cause I always try to do a reflective piece after and, um, and plus they need to know how many pounds they collected, how many people it's going to help, those types of statistics. And then I calculate how many hours, you know, if each one of us put in four hours, how many students we have and how, what that equates dollar wise in the community and a volunteer service hour and how much we've just contributed to Palm Beach County. And they're like, I didn't realize that. And like, that's why you have to keep, you know, giving back and you have to volunteer. And I said, one day when you open your restaurants, people are going to be knocking on your doors to say, Hey, can you support us? Can you help us? Can you sponsor this basketball team? Can you help us with, you know, pizzas for something? I'm like, and you're going to think back and say, Oh yeah, I know how that felt. Or I was on the receiving end. I need to do that. Um, I play a lot of snippets from um, CBS Sunday morning. Um, mm -hmm. I love that. They always have, great little snippets that I, I can put in and um, to show like the, the butterfly effect and all those different things. And if I can get these two or three of them crying, then I'm like, okay, it's good. Like by the time it's, it's over. I mean, even in terms of I'll play um, the little YouTube video from Bonobo socks. Do you know? Oh no, sorry. It's not um, Bombas. Bombas socks. Bonobos is another thing I do for the pants. Um, Bomba socks and how mm -hmm. they had their 1 million set of socks sold and the guy got the tattoo and um, I'll play that. And then, then that leads us into, we had partnered with um, showering love. I don't know if, if the bus ever came onto your campus and this was a woman who was um, previously experienced homelessness for almost 10 years. And wow. she said, one thing that you pretty much crave or is if you can just take a shower, you feel like a brand new person and you can like tackle the day, you know, even when you're homesick or something you're like, if I could just get, you get in the shower and you're like, okay, it's even been during this coronavirus. I hear people like, okay, I got out of the pajamas. I took a shower. I blow dry my hair. Right. You're like, okay, I can tackle all of this remote learning today. Um, so she created or partnered with a lot of people to get re to, um, reconvert, I guess, or convert, um, city buses that have showers and that are, they have like two showers in them and, um, even handicap accessible and they will go to, um, 
parks and different areas. And um, it's not just the shower and they have washing machines and dryers in there and you can do your clothes and launder everything. Um, but they will haircuts, they'll partner with many different, different agencies and try to come in and it's not change anyone because people have to be ready. She said, people came all the time and it wasn't until I was ready to accept help. So just exposing our students to those types of things um, to let them know that we can help. We, we created um, um, PSAs, little YouTube videos for that, brochures, flyers. Um, and that's where I started to say with the marketing class currently, we had, we moved it to just a brochure. I shouldn't say just, it was a lot of work um, um, for Panther's Pantry. And knowing that now it's opening on different campuses and they don't have the same thing. So we divide the class in half and half the class focused on their brochure, their target market of the students and letting them know what's out there. And then the other half of the class focused on um, donations and things that are needed and how other ways everyone else could help. And I was blown away. I mean, I'm always blown away. They're so amazing, our students. And, um, and we, we kept them in, you know, word format. So, and they, they were very specific about, okay, this one can be mailed. This is the way I designed this one. Or um, we left these hours blank um, and this space here so we can list Boca campus and Palm Beach Gardens campus. And then not sure if Belle Glade is going to have one. And, you know, they were thinking that far ahead so that this could be useful and easily trans transformed or changed. Um, you know, and even too, when they've done it in the past, um, I had students, one thing they'll have to do a, um, a PowerPoint and include the notes, sec put everything they would say in the notes so that if um, a volunteer comes in and it's their job to go speak at maybe um, the chamber of commerce where they belong, then they can just put that PowerPoint up, they can print it out and they can read everything that would need to be said. So it's, you know, the same for whoever's um, soliciting and they would do those and they would translate them into Creole, Spanish, whatever nationality wow. in the class. I mean, that's like, they're like, cause they're thinking about, okay, if it was me and I might need to help, I, I could do this at my church, but I need to translate that. So, mm -hmm. um, I just, we have amazing students and, um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that Robin was like, you know, you just saved me so much. I mean, it's, we didn't get to talk. We just emailed him like, here's a giant zip pile of all these brochures. So pick the ones you want. Students eventually want, they're like, Miss Heidi, you, you have my contact information and you know, I'm on remind. Can you let us know, even if it's months from now, which one they picked or what they liked? I'm like, of course, absolutely. So anyway. It was a roundabout, really long roundabout. <laughs> no, it was all wonderful. I, I was trying to think of a segue at some point of time, but I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't stop you. Uh, a segue now okay. into some of the questions that I got ye yesterday, last okay. night. What is one adjective that your colleagues would use to describe you and why? Um. I would say because I, I don't know if you know where we're located. We're kind of in the um, northeast corner of the campus in our kind of 
little tiny area and there's really like no one around, Jeff, Dan and I. So, you know, we walk over to the BA building, the library, and that's when I get to kind of, hi, see everyone. Um, I think they would probably say I'm bubbly, um, bright, uh, a bright color. It's like, I always, I mean, actually I have like my bright shorts. I actually <laughs> usually, I, there's normally always pink somewhere, nail polish or something. Um, I just, they make me happy. I love like, here's the plug for Lily Pulitzer, but um, that makes me happy. They're bright, colorful things. So you could probably like see me from the shocking colors. <laughs> so I would say maybe just like bubbly, I don't know. And I get going and I talk, 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 talk. And I'm, I'm like, buzzing around campus. Like I make my loop, I pick up my copies. I do, you know, I guess that would be it. Maybe Very cool. A, okay. Uh, what is one gift that you would love to receive, but you would never buy for yourself? I really have everything. I, right. There's needs and wants, right? I really have everything. I mean, I think I'm to that point in my life too, that, we spend so much time collecting stuff mm -hmm. and then you spend the time getting rid of it. You know, and I, I saw that from my, my parents, they, they collected antiques. My father, um, I think that's how he got stressed out. He refinished furniture and trunks, everything. And so I remember him saying, before you ever get rid of this, remember how much time this took me. I'm like, ah, you know, the um the guilt and my mom would say it's not good to be children of depression era babies because we <laughs> cannot throw anything away and i'm always like trying to clean up. i'm like no we, we could use that for a costume we could you know repurpose that in some way um but i don't you know it's funny you ask that because um at one point i say to the students i forget when we're talking about we talk about needs and wants and limited resources, but unlimited wants. And I'll say, what's something you, you've always wanted or something that, that you would love to have that I'm like, money is, you know, it doesn't matter. And I'll go around the classroom and, and I'm like, no, think bigger, think bigger. Cause they're like, I'd like a hotel. Where's that hotel? Well, what kind of hotel? Or I want to, I would like a boat. What kind of boat? Well, no, maybe a yacht. And then somebody else says, I want a helicopter. I want the helicopter to fit on my yacht, you know, it just gets bigger and bigger. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. So if I had to do something like that, it would probably be the Porsche 918 spider. That is that I think, I mean, I've had one, a picture of it when it first came out as like a concept car. And I think mm -hmm. now it, um, it might be even like a hybrid version, but that would be it. Like I, have the need for speed. Right. Yeah. Have a little bit of a heavy, Fair heavy enough. foot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one movie that you can or do watch? Not that. Sorry. I, I'll, I misread the question. What is one movie you can or do watch over and over again? And what makes it so rewatchable? Oh, there's so many. I, I'm bad. I, Go I ahead. Start a list. And I will judge you accordingly. And I actually play a couple scenes in classes from it. Um, and one, because I had, to, I watched it so much with my mother because um, mm -hmm. when, when she was um, battling her cancer and I said, we have to have things that make you laugh. And Moonstruck, the movie Moonstruck, 
with Cher and Nicolas Cage when she says, mm-hmm. snap out of um, that's, that's one I can watch a lot. Um, um, Terms of Endearment. That's, that's a, a great movie. Love that movie. I cry every time, all the time. Um, um, Notting Hill is another one that that's, that's a, a fantastic good. movie as well. Love maybe I'm one. giving away my man card I here. I love but, those. Or maybe those aren't you know movies that I'm supposed to like. But that, those oh, are both. And when movies. and when they come on, it's like I'm I'm sucked in watching them again. There's <laughs> there's so many that I can watch over and over again. And um, Love Actually. I mean, I guess they're more like feel good, happy movies. I, I, I don't like, you know, I'm not really into the horror, scary movies. I mean, um, and yeah, I, I like happy. I go away and I don't want them to end. I want to see what's happening next. It was like, I was so into Downton Abbey. <laughs> I loved that. That's one show I started watching, but I don't know what happened. I enjoyed it, but I just... I, it might have been that the semester started and it was, you know, I started it in one of the the, the strangely short periods of, of relaxation right before a term starts. And things probably just got crazy and I never went back to it. But I did enjoy the few episodes that I started. For me, I my sister-in-law kept saying, Heidi, you're going to love this. And I, I didn't ever watch it. And she had season one on a CD or something. So we happened to go to North Carolina this Christ- this one Christmas, and we had gone to the Biltmore House. I don't know if you're familiar with the Biltmore House. I've heard okay, of it. The largest single family home in America. It's 250 bedrooms. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And it's literally, it's like Downton Abbey. And as, so we, we toured the house and Christmas day, it's, it's amazing. We get home and we're getting ready, you know, planning for Christmas Eve and the snowstorm starts. And we, I mean, and we, it it never snows when we're there. And I mean, this is amazing. The kids are freaking out and I'm freaking out. We have to go out there, but I'm like, we need to cook. And I'm like, do you think it's going to let up? I mean, I think we had like 14 inches. And so we put, we couldn't do anything the next day, you know, after Christmas, it might've been the day after Christmas. So we start watching Downton Abbey and you know, Claire is like, Oh my gosh, remember when we went downstairs and that this is just like where, where the servants cuffed him. Da, da, da. <laughs> and I think it, it got all of us so caught up in it because we had just walked through this real life, you know, Downton Abbey esque castle. And, and then plus it was the marathon. We watched one after the other. And my son bailed out after a few. Um, and then that's just kind of how we, I think that's why I, I mean I even had it as a ringtone at one point <laughs> wow I just I, I just liked it and I think too because the the cook the 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 serving aspect I mean just the perfection of setting those tables like I that's my thing like you you set the table everything is um, measured and perfect and I, I love that so well, thank you very, very much. Those are all the questions I had from the individual last night. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know you and talking to you. Well, thank you so much. As a, a, Steve, a Steveism, I will leave you with. It's been a slice of heaven. <laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> thank you. Enjoy Mother's Day. And uh, thank you again for spending the morning with me. Thank you. Cheers. Awesome. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.
I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation with Heidi. I'm looking forward to speaking with her again. Here's a little clip from next week's episode. But if you know what it's like to be hungry, and if you know what it's like to not have the means to be able, then I think that fear sticks with you, or it has with me, and it's influenced how I see the world. Until next time, for another 89 times, take care.